Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is some of our thoughts. Hey, everybody, it's Sarah and Carter, and this is some of our thoughts. Episode three, three, three. episode three. <laughs> we Woo! made it to episode three. <laughs> We still here. We out here. <laughs> so today we are talking about one of the Italian staples. Staples. It was like the word. It's on the tip of my tongue. It's the staple of Naples. The staple of Naples. <laughs> hey. <laughs> None other than Alianico. 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 Bellissima. So, yeah. So for this Alianico episode... We are talking predominantly about two different bottles of the same varietal, both 2018 vintages. And what we brought with us today is the 2018 Alianico from Parisot's Vineyard and Winery, which is from Texas. The great state. The, the greatest great state. state. It's so great. Um, Carter, what other bottle are we talking about? Cantina Giardio from Campania, Italy. Uh-huh. And this is one that we sell at my wine shop. Sarah was gifted this bottle. I was gifted this bottle. So fun fact about the Parisos bottle. I have a regular couple at the vineyard tasting room where I work, Valley Mills Vineyards. The sweetest couple. Um, ever since I started working there, they just, in a sense, adopted me. They're so sweet. I did the flowers for their birthday party a couple years ago, and they always gift me a bottle for either my birthday or Christmas or honestly sometimes when they're just in the area. So Paraso's Vineyard and Winery is in Burnett, Texas, which is really close to Fredericksburg, which if you're unfamiliar with that, it's Texas wine country essentially. Beautiful. Beautiful. So I've tried the 2018, no, 2017 vintage last year. Amazing. And that was actually the first time I had had that varietal, Alianico, and I was like, oh, snap, what is this? It's amazing. I and can't say it's a very common one you would find in the grocery store or liquor store. Not not that I found anyway. But yeah, the couple gifted me this other bottle for my birthday this year, which is back in January, and I texted Carter, and I was like, podcast? Yeah. <laughs> and then she found, like she was saying, she found her bottle at her job. Yeah, we have, um, there's two actually really great ones in um, the uh, better, um, Vittoria uh, Riviolta 
is uh, the more common, less expensive one. And then the mm-hmm. one that we brought today is kind of the bougier one. It's a higher price point, about $70 retail. And um, it's amazing how different they are. Yeah, and they're the same, uh, same year, same vintage. Same year. Um, very different processes that they're made. And thankfully, we were able to find a lot of information. It's not always provided, but for these two, for sure, they gave us a lot online to work with. And so yours you was... 72 70 retail 70 yeah. 70 and then the parasos one that was gifted to me i had to look it up because since it was a gift that one retails for 56 and i know when they released this vintage because that 2017 vintage was so popular they held it back for a couple months and just let wine club members purchase it and the couple that gifted it to me they are wine club members down there so they did get it a little bit early like a month or so so it felt extra special for me to get this bottle and I'm the type of person that good wine is meant to be shared with good friends. Totally. You know, like that's, it's a great motto. I love it. And I do mean it, even if I only get one glass out of it because I'm sharing it with too many people and then I'm <laughs> mad at myself. Your birthday party. My birthday party. <laughs> it happens every time, but my heart's happy afterwards, even so if my happy. brain isn't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so the 2018 Alianico from Parasos, you can buy this at their estate winery or you can purchase it on their website um, as far as I know they don't sell in any grocery stores at least not in my area um, you're welcome to contact them and see if that's true or not but I know at least in Waco Texas it is nowhere to be found so but gosh aren't we lucky to have it I'm just aren't we lucky staring at it right now it is the most beautiful color it's yeah it's almost like a deep ruby color mm-hmm. it's very very beautiful and a fun little wine trick, if you are new to wine, which I like to to talk to you guys a lot just to have fun, um, if you fill your wine glass with wine and tilt it over, um, looking over a white piece of paper, mm-hmm. or if you look up into like a bright white light, yeah. you're really going to see the color of the wine, the true color. And the closer you get to the edge of the glass where it gets, you know, where the actual wine gets a little thin, that's the color you want to look at. And it's so cool. This wine is beautiful. It's a little viscous. It kind of has mm-hmm. like a, a, a ledge to the edge of it. It does. And um, I think that that just speaks to the tannins. Mm-hmm. It is tannic, but it not not overpowering. It's very round, as we were it's saying. It's extremely round. That mouthfeel that I like to talk about. Yeah, super round. It's, it's slightly tannic, but not super. Mm-hmm. Um, on the nose, I get a lot of cherry, some spice to it, almost like baking spices. Yeah. A little bit of like that smoky char from an oak barrel, but honestly, it's so fruit forward and smooth. It's one of those where it's like, I could definitely chug this, but it's so beautiful. I would never. (laughs) Just be careful. Yeah. Yeah. It's me. So Parasos is a 16 acre estate vineyard. Like I said, um, the winery is in Burnett, but their actual vineyard is near Marble Falls out in the Texas Hill Country. And to have a few little things about their farming and sustainability practices. So uh, farming, they prefer decomposed granite soils. They basically did a bunch of trials with different uh parts of land in different parts of Texas. They started like in Austin where the couple that owns it lives and then they planted vines there. They planted vines at, I think, one of their sister's houses. Like, different areas in Texas. Just kind of, like, trying out to see what would work. 
And then they selected their land to finally settle on to grow their grapes in that type of soil, that decomposed granite soil. As I said, their main vineyard is in the Texas Hill Country near Marble Falls. And the area where it is, it's described as a geological dome that's about 90 miles in diameter, nestled within the mountain ranges to the east and west of the Colorado River Basin. Look up their website. It's so great. There's so much information. I really respect that. Because <laughs> nothing's worse than when you're looking for a wine that you really like and you're constantly looking up like, oh, my God, I can't find anything about this. What did Vivino tell me? Do I believe it? I don't know. And you can't find anything. So I really appreciate really thorough websites. And then with their sustainability, uh, each year they rebuild their soil with organic compost a combination of mulches, um, different tea applications within the compost, as well as they dose it out with uh, varying amounts of seaweed, fish oil, kelp, and molasses through their drip irrigation system. To so nutrient-rich. Super. To um, Through their drip irrigation system to feed the microbes in that soil. Those microbes break down the nutrients dripped along the compost, making the macro and micronutrients readily available to the vines. And they actually had another cool thing about their winemaking that I don't think I wrote it down. Let me look it up. Because everyone makes wine differently, you know. They're process. <laughs> I'm just going to go with that. So... After they harvest, they refrigerate their fruit to decrease the temperature below 55 degrees so that the native yeast will not start fermenting. This process is known as cold soaking, and it sounds crazy, but actually a lot of people do this. Um, I, it seems like a lot of extra work, so I think there's probably quite a few people on their team because <laughs> it seems like something that really needs to be maintained a lot. Um, with refrigeration, they maintain the control of the fermentation temperatures which influences how long the grapes will ferment on the skins. And it says that they strive for a longer and cooler fermentation, which allows for greater extraction of delicate flavors and aromas from the grapes prior to pressing. And honestly, like, they nailed it. It's mm -hmm. such a delicate wine, and it's so beautiful. And then after fermentation and pressing, uh, they age, of course, their white wines and stainless tanks and blah blah And then they do their red wines in French or American oak barrels. But... Yeah, the cold soaking is a yeah. very interesting process that it, I say it's common. You don't really see it a lot in Texas, to be quite honest, but it, it's out there. Yeah. What about your wine? <laughs> oh, also, I'll say parasodes, because you're probably like, what the fuck is she saying right now? <laughs> parasodes is a Greek word found in the Bible that translates to exceedingly abundantly beyond what is expected imagine or hoped for bellissima bellissima gestures in italian <laughs> can i tell a quick little joke please always i'm so sorry to interrupt but Sarah, i'm not because you're gonna laugh here. okay this is true we're having a conversation it's cool <laughs> the other day <laughs> at my work this poor man comes in it's like hey i'm literally i'm just here to get a bottle for my girlfriend um it's called chef's kiss and we oh, all no. look at each other and we're like, no, he didn't. I'm sorry, what was that? Like, can you describe it for us? And he did he, did he just go, no, no, no. He thought it was literally called Chef's Kiss. And he we were like, okay, but describe it to us. And he was describing our 
ruby port or Texas ruby, which is essentially a ruby port that's been aged in whiskey barrels. That's what she wanted. But she was saying, babe, oh, my God, can you get this for me? It's chef's kiss. And he was like, do you all have chef's kiss? (laughs) And one of the girls, Maddie, she literally, shout out Maddie. She, like, had to run to the back because she could not hold it together. And then, so, of course, it's like, hey, so I think what happened here, I had to, like, walk him through it. Like, babe, she's describing that as, like, you know, chef's kiss. And he got so embarrassed. And even yesterday, we were like, oh, he's never coming back here. That's really cute. It was really cute. But, okay, that was that was my little tidbit. As in the real world. In, well, and as we say in Texas, bless his heart. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. <laughs> oh, poor baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great, honestly. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with You're me, welcome. Sarah. I have not heard that story. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, back to Alionico. <laughs> that was amazing. Um, speaking of chefs and kisses. Oh. <laughs> do you have a story? No. Okay. <laughs> I, um, Sarah and I always tend to do research independently on our wines and just kind of see what we come up with because we will always find different things from different resources. We have so many textbooks between the two of us um, just from studying for our psalm exams and um, just being in wine. We both have access to the wine Bible. I literally have one at work, but I have a, my personal copies oh, sitting Karen right in front of McNeil. me. Sweet Karen. Is she sweet? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've never met her. So Karen McNeil, who is the author of the wine Bible, describes things almost erotically yeah very much and so. it's amazing <laughs> it's a moment that's it's, for sure it's truly something i'm happy to get to share her words with you this afternoon let's hear it um well so okay f- the first thing that i found was that alionico as an ancient grape varietal um planted almost exclusively in southern italy which is what my wine is from campania mm. it is like the shin of the the leg of Italy. You know how they talk about it being a boot? <laughs> and whenever people talk, Sarah, whatever, it's okay. Whenever people talk about it, like Puglia is the heel and mm-hmm. Montepulciano, like De Abruzzo is the calf and you have like Nebbiolo's the thigh and, or um, I guess n- Northern Italy is where Nebbiolo is from. Um, Venice is the ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. It is. <laughs> anatomically speaking so but the shin the shin is campania and um, (laughs) alionico is called the barolo of the south which i think is really cool that's one of me and sarah's other favorite wines is barolo nebbiolo barbaresco Mm -hmm. and having um having this wine for the first time today i can tell you is very different than what we're drinking right now also very different than the other alionico um a hundred percent Alianico that we have at my wine shop. Um, Cantina Giardino, um, beautiful, beautiful bottles, amazing artwork. Really cool bottles. We love um, just, they have so many awesome versions. There's a couple of really great orange wines. Um, We have a huge three liter bottle that's called the Sophie that has been at the wine shop as long as I've been there, way longer than me fact oh. and um it's just like the coolest thing it sits on the middle of our kitchen island in the show in the 
big room. So when you walk in, it's like the first thing you see and everybody wants to pick it up. And I say, please don't. <laughs> it's, it's so what up, Sophie? <laughs> it's so heavy and very expensive. Did you say three liters? Three liters. That's gigantic. Yeah, it's the um, German bomb. Mm -hmm. And then they have the Methuselah as well, but we don't have a Methuselah. Shame. Those are the giant Magnum bottles. So there's mm. like the the mm. two liter that'll be um, just a Magnum, and then the double mag, and um, they all have their own word association that yeah. I'm blanking on. It's okay. We're talking about the shin anyway. We are. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. So. Um, the the cool thing about my producer that I'm excited about, Antonio and Daniela, um, they have sustainable practices in their vineyard as well. A little bit less information than Sarah was able to find on hers. But knowing what we know about wines, that just means that they probably compost and have uh, handpicked uh, harvesting practices, low intervention in the cellar. The vines of mine are um, 75 to 90-year-old vines, which is... Not rare for Italy, but it's important to note because that just means the mm -hmm. vines are mature. Um, they they all meet the Italian wine standard that's referred to lovingly as the DOC. That is the Italian government's answer to the French wine standard AOC. That stands for um, the denomination de origin controllata. That just means... The standard for maximum yields, um, specified grape varietals, and production methods in Italy. Um, the uh, the origin is not just controlled but guaranteed. So my favorite thing to tell people when they're looking at Italian wines is to look for the blue or brown label that will be wrapped around the top of the neck of the wine barrel or wine bottle. Um, there's only 332 DOCs. Only 73 DOCGs, and mm. they have to list it on the menu. So if you're at a restaurant that has a really expansive, um, extensive wine list and you can't figure out what you want, but you know you want something good or you're splurging, um, or even if you're not, if you're just looking for something that's a classic mm -hmm. representation of whatever you're looking for, it'll say DOC or DOCG next to it. Um, and I just think that's a good place to start it's when you're yeah I agree when you're studying wines. So um, for mine, the the Southern Italy terroir is going to be very volcanic. Um, it's very hilly, hot and dry summer with pretty wet winters. Um, it's on the coastline, so that sea breeze um, from the Tyrrhenian Sea will definitely impart itself a little bit. Summer breeze make me feel fine. Beautiful, Sarah. <laughs> Got a little vibrato there. <laughs> Got to mix it up. We're feeling loose. We're great. So, um, yeah, the soil soil formation, which is really, it, it says so much. It and does. You need, when you're studying wines in, in this official capacity as we are, um, they have a combination of limestone with gravel and clay. There's um, just, it, it adds a lot to the complexity, I think. Of the, there's some minerality to mine. Definitely, we, we don't. They have, taste so different. So different, and it was amazing. As soon as we opened it, you know, you pour and give it some swirls, oxidize, like we always say, and then it opened up, mm 
It was like two different wines. It was crazy. It, it had a yeah. lot more tannic, but still not as as much so as I was expecting. I talked shit about decanters a couple less episodes back. These two bottles, you would be like, can okay. be decanted. Yeah, I yeah for sure. Especially your bottle because it was way different to me yeah. after it was opened. It made a, a huge bit. difference. Mm-hmm. And considering the price point, that is the kind of yeah, that's the perfect sure. bottle to decant. Mm-hmm. It's lovely. It it's is great wine. It's beautiful. So, um, considering the the area that I'm talking about, it's very old, um, ancient Greece and ancient <laughs> Rome mm-hmm. times. I mean, these are you know people that um, it's right by Pompeii, so they have the relics of Pompeii, which is fascinating. That's to cool. Me. I don't uh, even. That's awesome. Yeah. Whoa. Can I go off about Greek mythology a little bit? Yes. Just a little bit. Her eyes are like, like, <laughs> bitch, you better let me talk about this right now. <laughs> I'm just a nerd about it. Do it. Do it, do it, do it, do it. So we have, um, there's a, just so so many fascinating stories. Um, Karen mentions in the Wine Bible the um, Lacrimi Christi, that is the tears of Christ. Um, apparently, as the story goes, that Jesus ascended to heaven. He looked down and saw the Bay of Naples, and it was so beautiful that he cried. His tears landed on the slopes of Mount Vesuvius where vines miraculously sprang up. And then another story suggests that when Lucifer Lucifer fell from heaven, Christ was sad and cried tears that landed on the slopes of Mount Vesuvius, again producing the miraculous vines. Um, This is a little bit less erotic because we're talking about heaven and hell, I suppose. um, Or is it the most erotic? (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Um, the, this is just the, the idea we, we have a really beautiful wine called Lacrimi Christi that isn't, isn't anything like the wines we're talking about here, but it's just such a, it's a huge part of Italian culture and Catholicism and obviously world history. I've always thought that wine is the history of the world. Mm -hmm. It's art and it's culture and it's like time traveling and to have such cool different yeah Yeah. representations of like a texas wine that's clearly inspired by Mm -hmm. italian i mean it's an italian grape grown here we have a pretty similar climate so that's why a lot of spanish and italian stuff grows so well in texas and at sarah's work they have most all european style wines which is just really cool that we're able to do that here and have such great options for it we're big fans um you had a really cool fact about the the their winemaking process oh yeah they um so they de-stem which is important to note because the stems in fermentation usually imparts a lot of spice into the wine this has spice but i'm thinking it gets it from the barrels they use chestnut barrels which is pretty unusual she told me that and i was like i don't think i know what that means (laughs) Well, I also, I didn't say bear. I just said chestnut. And you looked at me like Lucas was on your hip. And, and he looked at me like, what? And Sarah was One like, eyebrow. what? <laughs> Both gave me the eyebrow. I was like, come on, guys. <laughs> so but wait, the barrel is made of chestnut wood. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a more common tree I'm doing in the Italy. face again, yeah. guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's crazy to me. It is. It's very unusual. It's, it's most... Wine barrels are made from oak, 
mm-hmm. and it's either French or American, and that imparts so much on the taste that the chestnut, it just, it has to make a difference. Um, they they de-stem the bunches and um, ferment on the skins for three weeks before they, they let the wine rest for nine months in the chestnut barrels. Awesome. I think it packs all of the dark, savory complexity, and it, it makes it just a really simple, pure, um, some may say charming. <laughs> Vivina <laughs> said charming, and I just thought that was, <laughs> anytime I can call a wine charming, I'm going to. Absolutely. And it said effortless to drink, which I agree, but it did make a big difference to open it up and let it breathe a bit. Yes. It made all the difference. Yes, it was a very sharp run out of the bottle to me. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Whereas the Parisot Elianico, smooth. It was from the get go, smooth as butter, as butter, right out, right out of the game. Mm-hmm. So mine is just handpicked, no filtering, no fining, and the grapes are sourced from sixteen different parcels in the area. Oh wow! So it's um, it's a little bit more of a group effort there, <laughs> but <laughs> they have they have a lot of beautiful uh, other beautiful wines and they'll probably show up in our podcast again yeah because that's a big shoppy wine yeah Yeah. so you want to talk about the vinyl pairing (laughs) this is my absolute favorite vinyl album whatever you want to call it it is my my favorite my favorite my my favorite my favorite for like stills nash and young deja vu deja vu deja vu crosby stills nash and young it's so good it's been my favorite for how old am I? 30. 31. <laughs> See? <laughs> Maybe like my ha- at least half my life. Sure. It's so amazing. Sarah and I have very similar tastes when it comes to music and wine. Thankfully, that's why we're doing this. And we had, you know, at first we had a, kind of a tough time with this wine and vinyl pairing because we were like, man, this is such a special classic mm-hmm. grape varietal. We needed a classic like, album to go with it. Exactly. You want to talk about it a little bit? Well, Sarah got this gifted, this vinyl gifted um, from her lovely uh, partner at Christmas time because her original one that was probably your father's cracked. Uh, Probably. As vinyl does, you know, and um, (laughs) all of my vinyl is my father's too. I have invested in a few myself. Um, We have Mac Miller at the wine shop. (laughs) That's a very, very important album, and we will be talking about it. (laughs) Guaranteed. circles but um no deja vu oh my gosh we I grew up listening to classic rock with my dad Sarah grew up listening to classic rock with her dad and mom and um this album is the first album as a quartet with Neil Young which is so important is 1970 there's some classic songs that everybody knows if you listen to Woodstock Teach Your Children Our House Mm -hmm. Atlantic Records just knocked it out of the park with this one my favorite, well, oh God, it's so hard to pick a favorite song off this album. It's so good. Helpless is one of my top five, if not ten, absolute favorite songs of all time. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely beautiful. The intro to Helpless, oh my gosh, please listen to that song. It's if you're dreamy. not familiar, I don't know how you're even listening to this right now, but I hope you listen to it. Mm-hmm. Also, 
almost cut my hair, which isn't a super super popular song. It's by a them. deep cut. Yeah. It's so good because it's a very pretty album, and then it gets to that one. And it's just like, baby, <laughs> and it's like, oh, oh, they went off. Oh, we there go. they are. There yeah. they are. There, there they are. Oh God, it's so good. And the whole song is him talking about how he almost cut his hair, and so we've all been there as women, especially. Absolutely. But also Ryan, my partner, his hair is gorgeous. Past his. his Ass crack. <laughs> yes, yeah. past his hips. That's what I should have said. <laughs> to not be crude. Be so, as crude as you'd like, ma'am. Okay, that's fine, I guess. But um, <laughs> I don't know. That song has just always spoken to me even before I knew him. It's just such, it's so good. It's so good. It's well, so they're good. all a bunch of hippies. And I mean, <laughs> who doesn't love like just some good old 70s rock and roll? Yep. I our am. house. God, our house. Very, very, very fine house. With two dogs in the yard, cause I don't mind cats. <laughs> nope. Um, cats are fine, I guess, but yeah. <laughs> I just changed the lyrics because I it's, love them so much. And Sarah and I really don't like cats. <laughs> I'm so sorry to all of my cats friends love with me. Cats, who are listening. cats love me. They do. That one at the wine shop the other night put its ass in your face. His put his face in my face, face twice though, yeah, and then the ass, and I was like, I'm face. done. <laughs> <laughs> and then he came over to me and I just went, nope, nope, nope. I'm allergic. You're not a dog. You're not a dog. I will suffer allergies for a dog, but. <laughs> oh, also the album that Ryan gifted me. So yeah, my original album was cracked and I was devastated. My whole vinyl collection, I had moved it a few times. And the last time I moved it, that was the only vinyl that yeah. was cracked, which Unfortunately. was just like harrowing and horrible. But. But so yes, my Christmas gift from Ryan, he found a first press edition of that Ugh, album. That's gorgeous. And it's dope because the original album I had was maroon, and then it has, like, this overlay that's, um, like, cream and black and gold. But the one he got me black. is totally black. and then it's gold this, lettering. Yes, and it looks so beautiful. We and, will post a photo oh. of it on our Instagram when this episode <sighs> airs. And that's an album for me where – if I'm having a weird day, if I'm having a great day, if I'm having a bad day, any emotion I'm feeling, that album. There, yep. Yeah, totally. It just gets me. Or I get it. I don't know. One or the other. I feel it's like. It's beautiful. Neil Young just gets life in a way that no one else does. <laughs> and Amy Poehler actually in her autobiography, Yes, Please, which is one of my very favorite books of all time, she listed the pros and cons of doing mushrooms. <laughs> and she said, <laughs> pro, Neil Young can read your mind. Con, Neil Young can read your mind. <laughs> and when I told Sarah that earlier, she was like, "Oh, that's good." Because I think so good. If you know Neil Young at all, you know he's a, a little bit of a creep, but he's our creep. He's our, he's our creep. <laughs> like, I come stand for by him. Neil Young. Damn it! Yeah, I will I follow too. him to the end because of this Fuck fucking it. album. Yeah. Oh my god, it's <laughs> We're the hyped. best album. We're, I'm hyped. <laughs> So I can't talk about my favorite vinyl without getting hyped. No, that's I'm, I'm not point. sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm not Don't sorry. control your enthusiasm. Oh. Unleash your enthusiasm. <laughs> we are, um, yeah, we're just, we're hyped on this because it just felt right. And, and this whole concept, as we've mentioned three times now, is it's not a science, it's us. And like, here we are, you're listening to us. Hey, what's up? Yo, yo, yiggity, yo. We're in this thing together. Yo, yo, yiggity, yo. That's is that I'm, from Juno? Is it? 
No, it's yeah, a, the Hank, hamburger phone. Yo, yo, you get a yo. I think I or, get it from yeah. Hank Moody from Californication because oh, he said, "Yo, yo, you get yo, you better check yourself before you riggedy riggedy wreck yourself." <laughs> <laughs> I think this is my favorite episode so far. <laughs> <laughs> they just keep getting better, dude. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> so the food pairing for this evening. The food pairing. I wanted to do something kind of fun and out of the box and different, and. The Alianico varietal is a big, bold, rich red, as we've talked about. And for me, a big, bold, rich, robust, beautiful red. You need the meat. Give me the meats. And my favorite meat to to eat, to work with, to, to, you know, experiment with is lamb. I love lamb. You love a lamb. I'm putting myself in timeout. No. So I have this recipe, and this lamb is made to be cooked um, rotisserie style. Which is hard to do. It's very hard to do. It's Mm -hmm. super cool to do if you can do it. Um, If you don't want to do it rotisserie style, or if you honestly can't, if you don't have all the things to do it, you can always pop it in your oven and just, you know, adjust a few things, and it's going to be delicious. So this recipe... <clears throat> you need one, it's a leg of lamb in particular, mm-hmm. um, one leg of lamb and you score it, which means you do like the little cross hatching imprint on the actual skin of it. If you can't find leg of lamb, you can do a different cut, which, and I always try to give people options because in our area, like our meat market, we might not always have leg of lamb. No, it's harder to find in cities like Waco as opposed mm-hmm. to the bigger cities with Definitely. Whole Foods or yeah. Central Market. And then you'll need... Two to three tablespoons of, I we always have like a garlic herb rub that we make at the house. And if you want to make it yourself, it's one it's it's a garlic and herb rub, right? So it's garlic, it's like onion powder. I think we do rosemary, um, dried mint, if it's as, like in particular for lamb. Lamb and mint go so well together. And you don't even have to do, I've made like a mint chimichurri sauce to go over lamb and that's amazing. But if you just want to rub it like this recipe... Yeah, get your favorite ingredients for a rub, and th- yeah. Amazingly, I think it's kind of cool to say, like, the rosemary, oregano, olive is all grows super mm. well in Italy, Definitely. and especially in this part because of the the chalk-loving yeah. Mediterranean plants in the mm-hmm. sea. So it's amazing the confluence of these, the wine and the food again here. Absolutely. You will also need one-fourth cup of white wine, five to six garlic cloves, one-fourth cup of parsley, a tablespoon of rosemary, a tablespoon of thyme, and I always prefer fresh herbs. If you don't have any, if it's a weird time of the year, that's fine, but uh, preferably fresh. And then two tablespoons of olive oil. So the instructions, you take a blender. You could use a food processor, but I found with a blender, it just gets it really fine. And you get your blender, and you're going to add... All the garlic, the white wine, the the garlic herb rub, the parsley, the rosemary, the thyme, and the oil. Sounds You're like gonna a Simon and Garfunkel song. Parsley, <laughs> oil, rosemary, <laughs> and thyme. Ooh, that should be on. Um, so you're gonna mix it until coarsely chopped. 
And then you're going to lather that mixture over the leg of lamb and you're going to set it into the fridge for at least four hours, but ideally overnight. And I know in the last episode, I talked heavily about when we were talking about fried chicken, about the beauty of marinating meat because it just makes it so tender and so juicy. And basically the longer, the better. Oh, and lamb needs to be juicy and tender. Absolutely. There's no reason to do and you it don't, if you don't. Yeah, you don't really want to do it more than 24 hours unless you have a giant, like an entire lamb, right? Like a huge, huge chunk of meat. But if you're just doing a leg of lamb, yeah, at least four hours, if not overnight. And then if you're grilling this, like I said, rotisserie style, you want to grill it to a medium-high temperature, about 325 degrees for like an indirect rotisserie cooking. Then you're going to take that leg of lamb after it's marinated, skewer it, add it to your to your rotisserie, and then cook over the fire for four to four and a half hours. Kind of be your own judge there. Um, but you want the internal temperature to reach 140 degrees uh, Fahrenheit internal. So I might have mentioned this in a, a couple episodes before. A meat thermometer is one of the absolute best things I've ever invested in. <laughs> yeah, and the nicer the better. You use yeah. a candy thermometer as well for oils and stuff. Yeah, for frying, yeah. absolutely. And it really does. It just helps you, you know, get into that sweet spot where you're like, is it done? Is it not? Because sometimes if meat's really soft, you're like, there's no way that's done. But if you check it, it is. And it's like, oh, that's done. And she tender. And it's perfect. So, yeah, you're going to cook it for four to four and a half hours until it reaches 140 degrees Fahrenheit internally. You're going to pull that leg of lamb off the rotisserie and let it sit for 10 minutes. And then that's literally it. Then you just slice it and eat it. And enjoy it. And enjoy it. And like I said, if you're not doing the whole rotisserie open fire concept thing outside grilling, you can definitely cook it in your oven. And I would it's hard to say what temperature. I always cook things at kind of a higher temperature so you don't have to cook it as long. But it's also, ovens are weird. Our oven is ancient <laughs> at our house. So I'd be your own judge there as well. But basically, if you at least marinate it, use the same ingredients, it's going to be a really beautiful leg of lamb. And I would serve it with maybe a really nice roasted garlic mashed potato mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and maybe some asparagus. Seasonal veggies, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm. And with my mashed potatoes, you can get like garlic mashed potatoes anywhere, right? Like, oh, let's whip them, make them garlic. So with my garlic mashed potatoes, I take some cloves of garlic and I actually saute them for about five to six, depending on how much you're making, I guess. But I, I, over garlic everything. I love garlic. Who doesn't? <laughs> and it's good for you. Um, I will uh, cook it in a, like in a pan for a couple minutes till it gets really nice and golden brown. And then I usually add a little bit of balsamic at the end. Yes. So after I've boiled all the potatoes, I'm making this a very like meh recipe because if you don't know how to make mashed potatoes, I guess I can do an episode on that, but that's ridiculous. So you should just be a better cook. Uh, <laughs> I feel sorry for you. You don't know how to make mashed potatoes. Yeah, basically after you've boiled some potatoes in water, yeah. <laughs> when you're when you dump it into your bowl and mix everything together, I add that garlic and then I usually do rosemary, especially if I'm having it with lamb and then, you know, salt oh. and pepper. I like white pepper a lot in mashed potatoes as you well. You got to throw some finishing salts on there too, oh, Sarah. Don't forget. Me with my finishing salts. Now <laughs> on, some lovely soul. I love finishing salt <laughs> so much. But yeah, 
Make a big batch of mashed potatoes. Slice that lamb on top of it. Oh, so juicy. Open up a bottle of Alianico. Damn. Put on deja vu. And we have just given you the perfect <gasps> evening. You're welcome. I know what I'm doing after this. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are doing. <laughs> so we're going to come over. <laughs> please, please, please. It's also so fun because as we record these, it's not like we just did all this today or the night before. It's like, oh, you know, yeah. we have our little notebook and we've planned out everything. But then when we talk about it all over again, it's like, let's get transported back there. Literally. That sounds beautiful. And it really does take you someplace. That's the coolest thing about this. It's such a uh-huh. sensory experience. Wine is just in general anyway. Absolutely. But having the the music, the food, it's, you know, what you can see, what you can smell, what you can feel in your hands and knowing enough about the wine. Now we hope we've given you a little bit of a, a destination that you can think of when all this, you know, the extinct volcanoes of Italy and the beautiful Texas hill country and just everything that goes into all of that. Yeah. So guys, as per usual, grab your favorite glass of wine, put on your favorite record Let's have some fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening to some of our thoughts. Love you. (laughs) This has been a Rogue Media Podcast. 